I'll do take one, and you do take two and three. Okay, we can tag <laughs> team that watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. Hey there, I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is Take Three, a movie podcast. Take one. It is your second birthday month. (laughs) What? It's your second birthday month. I mean, or like your first Christmas month. This October is your month. Yeah. Is what I'm trying to say. Yes. It is well, you know what's cool is is that it's my second birthday or my second Christmas or whatever, but it's also the podcast's first birthday month. Is it? Yeah. So our podcast will turn one this month. Huh. Yeah, we we released our first episode, uh, The Shape of Water. About midway through this month. I, think I don't think we have an exact something? date. I don't know the exact date. I know we had to edit the the dates because we re-released some episodes like on the same day. And so the dates are, the published dates are not accurate. But yeah. When, when we moved um, websites, when we moved websites, we had to re-release our first like five or six episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it came out. I know that our first and second episodes we're so close together because we wanted to release the Halloween episode in October. Mm-hmm. So we were like episode and then hour and a half long episode uh, six days later. I remember that was like I think uh, a fun little experiment. To we, do, we hosted on SoundCloud first and I wonder if that has like any graveyard files that we could check in on. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But that's, that's a great accomplishment. Like I did you think that we'd be doing this for a year? I was hoping that it would last yeah, I'm not for s- sure, but um, I'm not saying that I didn't. I, I'm very glad that we are still doing this, though. So, congratulations! Yeah, I mean, thank you. Congratulations, you too. Um, I know that, like, for a while, I would say anywhere from like six months to a year beforehand, we would have these conversations, and we would be like, "We should do a podcast," and it's like, "Why the hell don't we? Let's actually do it!" And I really am enjoying it so far. How are you enjoying? season two so far uh i mean should i reveal (laughs) (laughs) we're pre-recording a lot of this so we're not very far into season two at all but um when we do actually get into october i think it will be pretty exciting no no no, it is and uh, to feel like this we've been doing this for a year yeah yeah and uh i'm yeah i can't wait to see how these new episodes are received (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah um no, I'm 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 very excited, and uh, I'm actually I'm I'm pretty excited about this movie as well. This is one of my favorite movies, like probably of all time. Really? Yeah. What do I not know your huh. thoughts about this movie? How do you feel about this movie? I think the Blair Witch Project is a movie that was ruined for me when I was younger. Um, not not because like it's not good or anything, uh, but because. I was so genuinely afraid of it. I really only have bad memories of it. Uh, my aunt has, you you know which aunt I'm talking about, has uh, woods behind her house. And they would we would ride ATVs 
throughout the woods. And I had never heard of the Blair Witch Project ever. We were driving pretty deep into the woods, or at least what felt like pretty deep for somebody who was probably like 10 years old, maybe younger. And she said the colder or the farther we go back, the colder it's going to get. And it's because of the Blair Witch. Oh, and it's like, I know. I'm like, what is the Blair Witch? And she's like, you don't know if the Blair Witch, they made a documentary about it. And they, you know, there's this, well, well, let's watch it. It's really, it's really scary. And I'm like, okay, uh, why are we going deeper into the woods then? <laughs> like, let's go. Um, I know this and but, uh, very well. And that does not surprise yeah, me at all. <laughs> it definitely I felt very real. It kind of, it had the the desired effect that I think a lot of people wanted paranormal activity to have where they thought it was like there was a possibility that it was actually real. Like I knew that that one wasn't real, but I, you know, was just at the age where I thought, okay, I really can't distinguish whether or not this is something that somebody really just found. And I feel like that's what made this movie such a, not, not saying it's the first one to do it, but it's, certainly the most popular and the one that's resonated the most and lasted the longest. Do you think mainstream wise, this is the first movie that's ever done this? Can you think of anything that's come out before that has done found footage? So there are movies. I know that there are movies that have done found footage. Uh, Like when people talk about this movie, a lot of people, a lot of contrarians, their first thing is to bring up like movies like cannibal Holocaust, like, you you ask people what the Blair Witch Project is, they know. Yeah. You know, the vast majority of people. A lot of these other movies, it's it's a it's definitely a smaller audience, regardless of whether or not they came first. I guess it doesn't really matter. What matters is the thing that stuck around. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that, you know, lasted. And this movie has definitely lasted. Mm-hmm. While I do not have positive memories of it, and I really probably will watch this with the lights mm-hmm. on. I am very excited to, I guess, kind of look at it as an adult and be like, is this genuinely still frightening to me? Because you know how it is. I feel like we talk about this all the time. It's like there are so few things that frighten us nowadays. I guess uh, the state of the world frightens me, you know, um, uh, like my future frightens me, but uh, but not <laughs> entertainment forms. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Movies, books, TV shows, and things like that. I feel like I've pretty much seen it all. You know what I mean? Just because there's really nothing n- new under the sun. And if you can find a new inventive way to frighten someone, then it is it is the reason why you wind up sticking around. And I think that's why this movie was successful. And I'd be interested to know if it holds up to me, who is now probably almost, I would say at least 15 years older than when I first watched this. Yeah. Now tell me about your experience watching this when you were younger. So I don't remember the first time I saw it. Like specifically, I couldn't tell you how old I was. I do know that yeah. after I saw it, I kind of had this like weird obsession with it almost because I immediately was like looking into it, seeing if it was real, showing it to all my friends like from high school. Um, if there's ever a so you were in high school. I, that's the thing. I don't remember the first time. It might have been earlier in high school, but I know that it was like, oh, you haven't seen this movie? Like, we got to watch it tonight. Like, anytime it came up. And I, I, the specific times that I remember it, it was with my high school friends. But um, I don't recall the first time I watched it. But I like it's. I think it's terrifying. And I think what yeah. was most terrifying. And you live, 
you live surrounded by woods. I, I mean, I, you know, you have neighbors, but you are there in, in front of your house and behind your house is woods. I not only um, am surrounded by woods, but where this takes place is Burkittsville, Maryland, which is um, – was it Burkittsville? Like I know it, some what? of it's in Burkittsville. How close How close is That's that? Frederick's, that's Frederick County. Um, it's a town in Frederick County, which is like northern Maryland. So I'd say maybe like that's like a hour and a half, two-hour trek away like near baltimore um i'm not sure okay. it's maybe yeah i guess we're not i'd say it's like let's not get into a geography i'm a little bit uh northern maryland now and i'd say because i can see the map right now i'm probably where i live now where my apartment is i'm maybe 45 minutes away from Burkittsville. um uh, terrifying like really scary like it's and this is if if the movie documentary is true which i'm sure it, most of it is because i know in the beginning of the movie she is kind of interviewing the locals and kind of going over the history of burkittsville and and the blair witch and stuff yeah. like all of that has to be true or at least i hope it would be um but it, like it's it's it was terrifying because it, it, to me and I think for a lot of people it was the first of its kind. It was the first found footage. I didn't know for a while if it was real or fake, and that was terrifying. And I think it's it's an interesting movie because I've seen a lot of found footage since then, and I feel like it's something you can only do once because once the once the trick is revealed, then the magic is kind of lost. I think the paranormal activities were at least the first few were pretty um, successful, but like, I know is it Phoenix rising or something or something Phoenix? That was another found footage movie. Oh, I remember you saw that. That was like recent about the aliens. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. So like the believability of these things, like I think nowadays with as much information that's out there, I think the magic of like really wondering if a found footage movie is real is like lost. Um, yeah, of course. I don't like it when people use it as a crutch. Yeah. I feel like more often than not, the movies that use this found footage technique are movies that maybe don't have as big of a budget. Maybe they can yeah. get away with not necessarily having to set up shots and just kind of take it around, uh, take the camera around. And I don't know. It just it just feels like an excuse sometimes to not necessarily do your best filmmaking. There are films in my head that transcend found footage. Mm-hmm because they are so different and, and do such a unique spin on it that that's what makes them stand out to me, which are like Cloverfield, mm-hmm. um, Chronicle. Yeah. Like Chronicle was like, it was a found footage movie, but you were able to, because of the fact that they have superpowers and, and one of them is telekinetic. So they can pick up the camera and, and move the camera angle around and stuff like that. I don't like it when it's just an excuse to plant a camera in a corner and watch a chair move. That's why I think I am not impressed with the paranormal activity movies, or at least the one that I've seen. Which one did you see? One. Ah, uh, see, and I think, I don't know. Cause I really, movies can scare me. Not a lot of movies keep me up at night. I think there was enough distance between my watching a Blair Witch and my watching a paranormal activity that the paranormal activity first movie like kept me up like night for weeks, not weeks, but like for a very long time after watching that movie. Cause it was, I think again, it was sort of like, I don't know you, you don't know for sure if it's real or not. Um, and then they came out with sequel after sequel after sequel and it kind of lost its, its edge. But I mean, that was still a first, I think, I think that was still kind of revolutionary 
in a way because it was huge. That was those were huge, huge movies. Am I wrong? I mean, we'll have to go into like the timeline and take three because none of these movies were the first to do this stuff. I know, I know. Um, but like as far as breaking into the mainstream and into the cultural zeitgeist, totally get what you yeah. mean. But I just don't want anybody to think. I don't want to be getting letters like you're wrong. This is. We did this before, you know, this came before this, and this is actually – this little tiny movie is the um, – whatever. Like, Well, let's just – in for my – for my for sake of my argument, I think like the Paranormal Activity movies made a much bigger impact than the Blair Witch did when it came out. Would you say that's at least correct? Honestly, I wasn't I, – I don't – I don't know. I don't I, – uh, I like as far as I know, I wouldn't think so. Because the Blair Witch Project, I think, was people people really genuinely were not sure if this was real or not. Yeah. And I, but again, I wasn't like I wasn't paying attention mm-hmm. like I did during Paranormal Activity. People liked Paranormal Activity, but like the people that freaking made Paranormal Activity were on Jimmy Kimmel. Like it's like <laughs> I'm, it's not it's not something that for any period of time I thought was real. Whereas when I was younger, Blair Witch, Blair Witch, yeah. oh my God, Blair Witch is this crazy documentary. You That's know? one of the, and I think, um, so like for me growing up with uh, the paranormal activity movies, like I didn't, again, uncultured, sheltered kid. I didn't, you know, I wasn't watching Jimmy Kimmel or anything like that, but, um, so it still scared me. But one of the things that I'm excited to explore in take three for this episode is, uh, I've heard things that the directors or the team that created this movie were very hush hush about it. Like they, I think the actors maybe even told like their family, like they, they, they hid away for a while to try and like really convince people that this was like a real thing. And I want to see, I want to like look into that and see if that's true. I want to see to what extent everyone went to, to hide this or to convince people that it was actually a real thing. Yeah. I know that like a lot of them, like, or like the character or the, you know, the actors in the movie like fell off the face yeah, of the yeah, earth. Yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah. So yeah, I look forward to watching this movie and kind of, I guess, I, I guess this is a movie that not only are we going to have to judge it on the merit of the actual film, but we really got to get a handle on just how culturally significant it, it is, yeah, yeah. you know, because I mean, I think we both can definitely surmise that it, it was culturally significant but yeah. to the level and extent that it was that, that'll be interesting to look into for sure totally i i cannot wait I, i'm scared to watch this fucking movie I love, like i'm literally i love this this movie is so thrilling in the best way i i i'm so excited oh i can't wait <laughs> well i you're surrounded by woods so yeah. i'll live well we'll see <laughs> take two that movie was a goddamn masterpiece I, I was I, uh, I I was just really scary and I'm like in my room and it's it's really dark and I just I'm okay so I'd always operated under the idea that like there were a couple of movies that could really scare me because of certain subject matters and most everything else it's like I've been there seen that this is something that I was afraid of a long time ago and I I don't know. Part of me, I don't remember exactly how I felt in take one because it's just like a blur, but like, 
it was a while ago when we, yeah. when we recorded take one. But I think I was just thinking like, oh, I can handle this. And it was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> it's it's genius. It's it is genius. It, this is a, a masterpiece of a movie. Um, towards the end, I kept seeing you were, I don't know if like you had an, a window up to make your screen brighter because your camera was like suddenly brighter. And I was concerned. I was, I was bringing like, your bringing... window up so I could look at you instead of. <laughs> instead I was of concerned. The movie. So I was like, are you, "Are you not watching the movie? Because it's like you need to watch it." No, yeah. And I remember. I what I love about this movie is that it's terrifying, but it relies on audio. It, there's really not a lot of visual horror here. There's not a single jump scare. There's not. There's no tropes that I can think of. There's. Um, it's. It's all audio it's all like their reactions and sort of their descent into madness yeah, just that dread the dread of like yeah. waking up after day after day after day and just knowing and it's like i remembered that they didn't like no one made it but so so like just them at the beginning i'm like oh crap how does it get to that point you know <laughs> i was like i kind of remember the beginning when they're like actually doing the documentary and then i remember the end where she's like talking to the camera, but that was about it. Like I don't, I didn't remember a lot of the middle stuff. Oh, I, I remember quite a bit of this and it's weird because I remember in the beginning them talking about making the, you know, the, the, when they go and interview like the townspeople and they talk about the Blair witch and this guy, this mystery guy par that I don't remember. I didn't remember up until rewatching it today. And about, it turns out that he was the one who would like, take children and make one face the corner and um, kill the other one and then kill the one in the corner and that kind of thing. And I knew that was significant because I knew it got brought back in the very end. Like that's, that was the end scene. Uh, But I didn't realize that it was him. And I think this whole movie, we're supposed to believe that this is like a supernatural thing, but now I'm not sure. I don't know how this par person, I think uh, this whole time I just thought it was, the witch. I didn't, I don't know why the way it came across to me was just like, there were all these urban legends and there were all these different ways of people kind of trying to explain what had happened. And you know, this, this local myth, the missing children. Yeah. 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 But, um, I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have to look it up. I, I was going to say, there's gotta be some history, something in, yeah. in take three or something out there that we could research for take three. But, um, I want to know because, like, I'd always just heard the fact that everybody thought that this was real, but it has credits and stuff. So I, I don't know. Like, maybe that was a, just a, like, my perception of this is really. I mean, I have that that one story that I told you about in take one, where my aunt and I were in the woods and she was, you know, doing that to scare me, and we watched it that one time. But I, I don't really know too much else about this movie, you know. So I've seen this movie so many times and it's, ugh. and I think that was one of my worries is going into this, hoping and praying that it still held up because I still wanted to like have a positive take two and take three. And it held up. It absolutely like from the beginning, I was yeah. like, God, this is just so good. It's so believable and so well done. Good performances. Yes, absolutely. And whoever directed or edited this, like very clearly had, the right vision and the right tools to make it happen. If you don't like this movie, I don't think we can be friends. Like this, I just, I adore this movie. 
I love it. There's like three seconds of gore. The worst part about it is the swearing. They say the F word a lot, but yeah, it's just no jump scares. Really scary. There is it's yeah. Like I can't think of any other any other movie like this. I'm, I'm just so impressed. Well, good. I love it. I love it. I'm just. Upset. Are you okay? I'm just. I don't know. I. <laughs> it's just. It just had an effect on me. <laughs> so I'm sorry. It's all good. I mean, like, I guess you want movies to have effects on you. I just, all I can think about is just like them just screaming and like <laughs> just being lost in the woods. I can't imagine. No, no. And it, like, let's, I'm sure that's what they intended. Like very clearly it's, they're banking on you reacting to this sense of dread. And, you know, I've, would go insane if I were in that situation. There's, there's no way I'd be able to survive that. But uh, luckily, you have a house full of people, and you're nowhere near the woods, so I think you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Though I at least like the scariest part of this is over. Now we get to kind of, yeah, focus on the not scary stuff. But like, <laughs> you live. How far away from this place? Let me, I was going to do it in take three. Let me Google this so I don't forget it in take three. I'm going to Google how far away my hometown is from Burkittsville to Burkittsville. Oh, okay. Two hours and eight minutes from my hometown. Like from where I grew up, it's about two hours away. But from where I am now... It's an hour and 15 minutes. You actually might be closer to Burkittsville than me. It's in Maryland though, right? Oh no, it's four hours. Yeah. I, yeah, you're right. It's like Northern Maryland, but I'm about an hour and 15 minutes away from where, from where I am now. I'm about an hour and 15 minutes away from Burkittsville, which is where this is set. I, I don't know if that's like actually haunted, like they say it is, or has these, Blair Witch Tales, but I guess we will find out in take three. That was, yeah, certainly something. I'm like, I'm really hoping this isn't real. Like when I found out that the Mothman was a real thing, I wanted to throw up. I would do that movie for the podcast in a heartbeat. That's even worse than this. It scared me so bad. (laughs) So Stranger scares me. This movie scares me. And Mothman prophecies scare me. I really I don't can't think of any other movies that genuinely like I don't like to watch because they're so scary. <laughs> Mothman I think would only be fun to do a take three on. Like I'm not sure I wanna I'd wanna watch that movie, but just to research and dive into the conspiracy of it all, that sounds like an adventure. You can't me. just that jump to like take really three. Cool. I you know well I, that's what I'm saying. Like if we were to do that episode, like I'd be most eager to do Here's here's what it, okay. I'll do take one, and you do take two and three. Okay, we can tag <laughs> team that. Gonna watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, I should be like, this is what Jordan's getting himself into. This scary movie where it's like a bunch of voices. I hate the voice in that movie where it's like a bunch of voices on top of each other, and he calls him in the hotel, and like we always stay in hotels, and I'm oh, if someone ever called me and let that voice or whatever, I think I would tear like out of there so quickly i oh my gosh (laughs) yeah Yeah. 
That's this good. kind of stuff just scares me and, and, and just ugh, it makes me feel I'm going to sleep with my lights on tonight for sure. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I have nothing else to say. I think it's a great movie. I've, I, It's going to be so much fun to research this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it really is well done and very believable in a sense that like it, it's not a high budget or, you know, studio movie made to look like a found footage movie like these people really just made a movie and made you know just went out there and with that stuff and i don't know maybe maybe a little bit more but i mean it's just it's clear that they just it was very running gun you know the way that it, it just it method that that right there is like respectable that you know something that clearly very low budget could could last so long it's i i want to so badly say that like this never this would never happen again something done in such a genuine method way but then i'm not sure like maybe someone is doing it and it's just like independent filmmakers like i it's it's obvious i can't watch every single movie that's ever existed it's certainly something that could happen it's like possible I, I would be right. interested to know how. I don't think we could. My point with saying that was I, I know there was a company, like a production company or something slated at the beginning. And I'm just curious to know if this was like widely distributed or if it was sort of like a niche thing that just got a ton of attention. I feel like I saw That's Lionsgate, like, but here's the thing. I mean, it, it probably was just purchased and distributed by it. Like I, I, again, I, I, for some reason, I feel like this movie really was just like an indie movie that was that it's wound up got, getting a lot of attention. I, I we're yeah. we're gonna have to really figure out exactly what happened with this. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Let's uh, let's do it. I'm ready. Take three. So I just listened to take one and take two to prepare for this because sometimes we schedule a little funky and kind of do these out of order, and it's been a while. But uh, I know that. You had asked me my thoughts on season two so far, and I think at that point we hadn't really recorded much, so I was like, oh, I don't know. But I just I want to confirm that I am absolutely loving season two so far. I think we've had some great episodes, and the research that I came up with for this movie it makes me even more excited, and I think this is probably going to be like one of the best episodes I've ever done, at least. <laughs> wow. Okay, And good. we just came off of my favorite movie of all time, so... Hopefully I don't disappoint. Well, your excitement is, I guess there's a little bit of pressure that we got <laughs> to do this really good, but um, your excitement is good. I'm, it makes me happy. Good. I, I th- this movie just, I don't know. Like I, I was listening to myself in take two and I'm like, I feel, I, I seem really defeated. I seem you really did. like. I was going to say the same thing. You sound like you were just like this movie had, an effect on you and just made it you have did. this really it did. bad it day. Was, <laughs> I was really scared and I don't get scared. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I think I probably could say two movies like genuinely frightened me. And the fact I did not expect this to go on that list as well. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like I don't get scared by movies that easily just because I've seen so many horror movies and it, it doesn't, you kind of get desensitized to these kinds of things because like you've said in the past, a lot of things recycle, you know, Mm -hmm. this particular movie 
Um, not to say that it is completely uh, original and all of that, but it, it harkens back to a time where the filmmakers had faith in the like in our ability to imagine what was happening versus like it was kind of like reading a scary book or listening to like a scary like like podcast or something like that to me because like it wasn't you know it didn't rely on visuals like at all and I was kind of like just thinking about it in in my head and like thinking about what this Blair Witch person looks like and like looking around my room and it was dark and I was in the dark and it was just I don't know. It just really freaked me out. And then we were, and then it was like, Oh, we have to record now. And so, yeah, I was, uh, well, very scared. Define visuals though, because I feel like there was, I I know we mentioned this in take two and I've forgotten about it until we, I re-listened to it, but I said something like you, I saw your screen get brighter, which made me think that you were watching another screen. And I was like, no, you have to, you have to pay attention. You have to watch because it's very visual heavy. Yeah. Do you mean like gore and special effects and stuff? Is no, that I guess what I'm saying is, is that, yeah, well, like, okay, um, you look at something, I'm trying to think of an example. There are obviously movies that show you frightening imagery and that's what you're afraid of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, a monster scary looking. Now, I, this uses tension and right, sound right. and all of that. It, you know, it doesn't really show you anything scary. The scariest thing in the movie is like the last frame and then the the stick figure things that are the <laughs> sticks that are arranged. I mean, that's, that's it. You know, there's nothing that horrific to view. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just imagining the horrific to view things and it's just, it's different, you know? Um, like, okay. I remember being, I think one of the last things that I was like really scared of, scared of as well um, is, the Mothman prophecies, which is funny because it's also like an urban legend. And all. I, I know this is what we figure out that in, at least in my research, I'm sure you did it in, in yours as well is that this is not even a real urban legend, but right, um, right. why well, it's, it's like, I'd imagine maybe now it is now, you know, people believe it, but cause they're, you know, urban legends, a lot of times they're made up anyway, but Mothman, that is that movie is not scary because of any visual either. It is scary because of a voice that freaks me out. So it's kind of like it's circumstantial. It's like it's yeah. events that are yeah yeah. So I think that there these particular movies that really get to me aren't necessarily because this creature or this monster or this terrible scary image or these tor- or these terrible things are happening to these people. It's just kind of like sets my imagination off and then I go and I think of what could possibly be lurking, you know what I mean, in the darkness. And I just, I'm 27 and I slept with the lights on that night. Like I did <laughs> not, I, and it's creepy as hell. Cause it's just like, it is. no, it is. It is. It I felt, up. I, I remember saying the same thing about paranormal activity. That movie affected me the first and second one. And, uh, it, this it kind of brings me back to the discussion that we had in our it chapter one episode about uh, the art of a jump scare and why that's sort of a trope now and why I dislike that and we were discussing like oh like what else can you do to scare someone there's nothing nothing else exists and then I yeah. keep getting pulled back to this movie and like you said Mothman prophecies and it's it's it is possible and and I think that's what makes these movies so incredibly special and amazing. 
Um, what we have to look at is that this movie turned 20 this year, and uh, for a lot of people, it will not be as satisfactory because the fact that it is 20 years old and horror has definitely changed. Um, but you also have to keep in mind, not you, because I know that you know this, and if, if you didn't know this, I've said it to you enough times where you at least can accept it, but I'm sure, I, I, think, I feel like you agree, um, that you have to at least uh, look at this in reverence at what it, what it did for the horror genre. And I'm not saying, you know, like obviously we're going to look into um, how the movie was made and released and marketed and all of that, but I'm just talking about like the influence that now uh, found footage movies are a dime a dozen, and it's not like this is the first found footage movie. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust is one that was actually, I mean, it's not, it, it's a, uh, another one of those cult uh, movies that's horrific. I couldn't even get all the way through it. Um, and Meaning that came out in the 80s. Bad? So, was it um, like bad or was it just It's gross? called Cannibal Holocaust. So it's, yes, it's very gross and disturbing. And um, I mean, that sounds intriguing. What, I don't think I've ever turned off a movie because it was disturbing to me. I like I've turned I, it off because it, it got bad. to the point where it, that particular movie wasn't enjoyable. Like I wasn't having, I wasn't like enjoying and I think I was watching this like low kind of res YouTube version of it. So I just was like, I don't know that I really want to watch this right now. Gotcha. Well, you now know? I'm intrigued and I will be checking that out. Oh, well, this. <laughs> but I, I, all I mean is that uh, this movie was a disruptor, um, even though if it wasn't the exact like first uh, movie to do this, it mm -hmm. certainly was able to do what it did effectively enough to still be mimicked today. I mean – we wouldn't have paranormal activity, certainly, and then we wouldn't have a bunch of other. I mean, and, and there are good found footage movies. That's something that I think people should keep in mind. This movie affected me, and I think I would have enjoyed it just as much if it came out today. To be honest with you, I think it's it's just a powerful, little tight little movie. But I don't know. I think I I, I just I don't like the idea of someone being like this is boring. You know what I mean? Because it really is just three people talking a lot. I can imagine, yeah, if we have some younger listeners, I can see how that, yeah, I can totally. But, like, I know people who grew up with this movie and certainly experienced this movie first. And uh, So I have, you know, the aunt that showed me this movie? Yes. Um, and the, <laughs> I think we brought her up every yay. time. So, <laughs> so the, uh, the, my two young cousins now that I really, I, like, I... If they haven't seen this movie, I want to be there when they watch it. Because I don't know, like, I, oh, yeah. I'm... I'm hoping that they that it scares the shit out of them like it scared me because I'm about I was about their age when when like it that's, freaked I think me that's out. A, I think it's a really good example because I can see them finishing this movie and being like, "Well, what? We didn't even see her. Like, whoa, there yeah. was no monster. There exactly. was no nothing." So exactly, yeah. But they are into horror and they can appreciate. You know, I feel like if they were to listen to this episode, they'd have a different opinion. I hope that yeah, I'm going to send it to them. I you think should. actually one of them is is uh they're children so I don't want to like name them but um I mean not they're not you know they're minors so I don't want to name them. I don't view you as like little kids or whatever but um one of them is actually texting me now and I had to mute my phone yeah let's get into this thing keep let's an open it. mind for everybody of all ages because I am so excited I I can't stop smiling I'm so excited oh that's this. awesome that's awesome so I I, I typically start this out talking about the finances and get all the the money stuff out of the way 
Like, obviously, we knew this movie was outlandishly successful when compared to its budget of $60,000. So I've even seen some estimates of smaller numbers, um, but I think $60,000 is, is a safe place to go because, you know, some sometimes they you account for, you know, uh, an extra pass, at, at, you know, in post-production and so... 60,000 is what we'll go for. It grossed over 248 million dollars worldwide. <laughs> That's awesome. Which makes it to this day the highest grossing found footage movie and uh one of the most successful movies when it comes to return on investment. Like that ratio, it's hard to find like a hard and fast list because some people account for domestic, some people adjust for inflation, some people include the worldwide numbers but like when you think about $60,000 and getting $248 million I mean that is that is crazy that is oh that is a a very high return on investment and it's, that's great I think uh, later on in this episode in my research, I'll go over some of the things that uh, the actors went through, like the audition process and the whole experience yeah. on set. Do you have any of that? Um, I read about it. I read a lot about the, a lot a lot of stuff um, that I That's really what I'm thought most was excited. To yeah, and I'm I'm glad that you're talking about it. Good. Okay. Uh, so I read somewhere that they each actor was paid a thousand dollars a day, and they filmed for eight days, I believe. Eight days. I eight remember days, when yeah. I heard that Saw was shot in eighteen days. I was like, "That's so crazy." You know what I mean? <laughs> and they made yeah. this movie in eight days. That's eight so days. cool. Eight days in the woods. Yeah. And like, what's incredible to me about this movie is the story behind it. And I know that you have a lot of info on that, so I won't get into it, but. The fact that these actors were brought in thinking that the legend behind this film was actually real and they didn't really know that it was a fabrication by the directors until after was actually very scary to me. I mean, they knew it was a movie, but they didn't realize that like their Blair Witch wasn't a real thing. Yeah. And so they were out there like, oh, wow. You know, like there's that added kind of like, oh, shit, this would be the time where she'd show up and, you know. And we have to comment on the dedication of these actors. Like you said, like their ability to improvise these scenes so well to make like to f make so many people question that this movie was actually real until the last frame of the film. That's incredible to me. And the dedication of knowing that people are going to think they're dead and missing is also yeah. remarkable. Like, uh, I mean, people were sending them condolence cards their families yeah. and stuff like that. That's, I read that too. Yeah. yeah. One of the actor's moms got uh, condolence letters because they, they thought that their kid was dead yeah. like, or gone missing. So they yeah, made the crazy. movie. They get a call from Sundance and Sundance wants to put the Sundance film festival and Sundance wants to put them in their midnight movie uh, slot, which is like a coveted, you know, Sun, Sundance has like a, you know, a, a midnight movie, um, I guess like, uh, showing where they, they play movies uh, late at night and they're normally scary and it's a it's like a it's a big deal it's like a staple so they get that call and they're like yes of course we're gonna go the directors are like yeah hell yeah so they go and I think by the next day Artisan had bought them for or bought the movie for one point one million dollars and it was like the first big sale of Sundance that year. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that point, apparently Artisan and um, like the, the, the directors and stuff like that, they kind of, 
they took over the website that they had been running and all that. And that's really when you get into the, the, Oh, we're going to, we're going to make people think that these people are dead. Like they, they are like, uh, missing presumed dead on IMDb and all that yeah. stuff, you know, and the yeah, internet yeah. was so young that it was like, there weren't that many avenues to not, or to look this up and, and prove, prove things wrong or find out really what was going on. So I, I saw this little interview uh, with the main, Heather, the main character. Mm-hmm. And she was like, that was when we kind of were like, okay, we're falling back. Like we weren't, we stopped kind of being involved as much because everybody was supposed to think, you know, uh, oh, are they dead? Are they really missing? Like is which, this kind of. Which in some cases really sucks. I was watching uh, an interview. I think she was on Jon Stewart or something. And um, he he asked her like, you know, what did you do after that? Like, what did you do after filming? And she was like, well, I was kind of like still a struggling actress for a year and a half because that's how long it took them to edit it. And I'm like, oh, my God, if you had to like imagine <laughs> that length of time where you can't like go find work or announce yourself as an actress because you're supposed to be hidden yeah. and believe dead like that, that just really kind of sucks for yeah. her and you know what like i think this is this is not this is not even in my notes but i just do want to make a point of like i know a lot of people and even me um before i kind of like thought a lot about it i used to think that you know uh an actor is in one movie and that movie does really well well that actor is gonna work forever and they're probably rich and well off and that's great but like these these people, I mean, uh, the, like these three people, uh, like you said, I you said they got paid a thousand dollars a day, so they made eight thousand dollars off this. And I mean, I don't know if they, you know, got any sort of residual payment or whatever, but it's not like they're set for life, money. you know. Like yeah. actors have to keep working and keep um, rolling, and if they're in something successful, it certainly doesn't mean that they are going to be able to continue that success you know so it's it's really um special that these particular actors were in something that was so big um and it could very well be like the biggest thing in their careers and that's not a bad thing but it's also you know i think it's important to to realize that like you know you make this one movie it's like it's a marathon Mm -hmm. you know and that's one of the research points that I had was that, uh, Josh, so they all, all of the names of the actors are their, yeah. The names that they use in the movie. Apparently Josh is the only full-time actor who's like still acting now of the three. Heather now grows marijuana and has a memoir. <laughs> and cool. Mike went back to his job, uh, as a furniture mover and has a wife and kids. So it's really, they kind of did just like leave the stage for the most part. Yeah. I've not seen Josh in anything else that I know of at least. Well, think about how many, I mean, I, they will always be able, I think they'll always be known for what they did. And I always think they'll be able to go to like horror conventions and things like that. Like there is a, there is a group of people that will always think that they are amazing, which is mm-hmm. really cool. I do. That's you know, me. <laughs> that is certainly me. Absolutely. Me too. Um, and it's like so few actors actually get the opportunity to be in anything that lasts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the fact that this has lasted 20 years and, you know, sure, they didn't turn it into boffo careers. But like 
that's not that has nothing to do with them. They won the lottery, and then mm-hmm. when you're able to continually successfully work in that business, you know you're just winning the lottery over and over and over again. So it's you know it's it's like yeah, I'm I'm glad that they um, seem like they've grown up. I'm glad that they didn't die in the woods. Basically, <laughs> same. Yeah. On that note, though, I feel like that's a good transition to go into how these actors were found and sort of treated on set. Is that yeah. okay with you? Sure. So um, this movie was the epitome of method directing and acting. I've not heard of any other movie that has done this and I absolutely love it. So the directors put out a casting call and this is just a quote from from the description that they had advertised. It said, uh, holding an open call for the Black Hill Project, non-union with pay, travel, and meals, shooting October through November uh, in Maryland, seeking women and men 18 to 25 with natural look extremely challenging roles to be shot under very difficult conditions. So like people knew going into this and to quote one of the actors. um, So I went to the open call and there was a sort of a sort of sign hanging before you went into the room, a little eight by 10 flyer hung up that said, if you get this role, you will be subject to uncomfortable physical situations. You will never be in harm's way. You will be outdoors most of the time. If this is not your thing, please don't audition. And I think this was Mike quoting it. And he said something like, oh, my God, improv and camping. Those are two of my favorite things. I'm absolutely going to give this a try. Yeah. Uh, they were told in their interviews or in their auditions, I guess, that they were convicted of murder and they were up for parole. And they basically just flat out said, um, what do you have to say for yourself? And if any of the actors even hesitated for a second, the audition was over. And they said that Heather's audition scared them the most. And she was asked, why do you think you should be up for parole? She looked the director dead in the eye and without missing a beat said, I don't think I should be. So I thought that was an interesting tidbit. This is all in a so um, cool. I know. I, I love that. This is this is uh, all quoted from. I think Vice put out an article, and I will definitely be, be linking this because yeah. it is it was a fantastic read. And I'm glad that we did that this year because this year was the 20th anniversary, yeah. and that's why Vice put out the article. So, so that was really cool. Uh, the they were all taught how to use the actual film equipment that they were filming with. So these were actually them. This was not a yeah, like crew. they they like made the movie like they that, did. That was they, a, yeah. They absolutely made the movie. Uh, they were also given some GPS tracking and training and some survival tips should anything actually like go wrong because they were pretty much let out loose into the woods. Yeah. Um, they were led through the woods and they were given locations to be at at certain times of the day. And they were instructed where to set up camp and were given individual directing notes and were told not to tell the other actors. I think they said that they had uh, like little milk cartons stationed around different parts of the woods and each actor had a canister and they would read what they were supposed to do for that day and not tell the other actors. So they were like, no one knew what was going on. No one knew what was happening. So that was was where the the improvisation really came from. It's so fascinating. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they were alone for the majority of the filming process. The food they were given was restricted so that they were like a little hungry and irritable as the week went on. It would like get less and less each day. Yeah, yeah. crazy. I think they said uh, like uh, the first day they got a sandwich and a bag of chips and then the second day maybe it was just the sandwich. Then the third day maybe it was just the chips and maybe the fourth day there was no lunch. 
so the idea was to have them as uncomfortable as possible without putting them in any real danger. And one of the crew members stated in this interview, your safety is our primary concern. Your comfort is not, which I was like, <laughs> how, how perfect. Yeah. The night Josh was told to leave, the night that like he was supposed to go missing, uh -huh. of course, like none of the other actors, I don't even think Josh knew that that was part of the, the story. The directors left him a note that day that said to wait until everyone was asleep and then sneak out of the tent. And if anyone got up and asked you what he was doing, um, tell them you had to piss and then get out of there as quickly as possible. Once he left the site, the crew had a car waiting for him and told him he was going home. I read that he was later taken to Denny's and a Jane's Addiction concert, much to the dismay of the other actors who were still stuck in the park, meaning Mike and Heather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so once Josh died, he was he was done. He was done with the pro not died, I guess, but went missing. Um, he was he was done with the project and went to Denny's. Speaking of Josh, uh, did you know that they actually like when they actually shot the movie? Um, Josh and Heather also had a lot of kind of like contentious moments as well. Cause obviously, you know, Mike and Mike and Heather are the ones kind of fighting the entire time. Josh had, had more, but they cut that out to kind of play up the fact that Mike and Heather, they wanted them to be the contentious people. And so like Heather was going to be the one getting them into this situation Mike was going to be the one that spoke what the audience was thinking. He was like supposed to be the one that was like, where the fuck are we? Why are we following you? Like, oh, what are we doing? And then okay. Josh is going to be the mediator. And, um, you take out the mediator then. Yeah. Yes, okay. Exactly. So when they took him out, um, but, but like the, the way that the actors improvise certain things, it felt like both of them were kind of ganging up on, that's, on Heather, and they took yeah. that out. They took that aspect out to be like you would feel Josh's loss because, you know, now they were like – now all that was left was two people who had been fighting the entire time. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I thought that that's was really interesting. Cool. Yeah, that's interesting. And I'll, I'll go over this later because another bulk of my notes is sort of the conspiracy theories about this movie, which I think you have some yes. as well. This is, I'm so excited. This episode is so much fun. has like a theory that I almost kind of just want to be, I, I just really want one of the directors to be like, yep, that's it. That would be <laughs> so freaking cool. We'll get there in a second. I have a few more interesting tidbits, but, okay. um, so a quote from Josh actually is the, the guy who, who left. He says, people always ask if we were actually scared when the filmmakers messed with us in the middle of the night. The answer is not really because what was, usually happening behind the scenes was we were exhausted and hungry and often wet. We'd set up camp and crash, and just about the time we got warm enough in our damp sleeping bags to fall asleep, the guys would start playing a boombox with creepy children sounds outside the tent. So a lot of what you're seeing on film is directly following a collective groan when we realize we had to pull our shoes back on and start acting again. <laughs> Which, like, God, yeah. and they weren't kidding about, you know, being in uh, uncomfortable settings. After the film was produced and edited and made its rounds in film festivals, they actually had interns put up missing persons posters. We kind of went over this yeah uh to make it seem like the actors had actually gone missing and it was only until the actors started making talk show appearances that people realized that all of this was fake but for a while there was like a website up they um they made a journal of heathers like they they yeah. 
gen, uh, uh, Heather's journal. Like she had like daily journal entries, mm-hmm. and they put that in the house that they constructed that they, that was shown at the end. That sort of became this um, tourist land landmark. And the company that bought the film tried to keep them out of the spotlight. Uh, and Artisan, again, yeah, yeah, and again, IMD like they didn't change their IMDb. Uh, deceased, uh, what are they called? Uh, obituaries, I guess. Yeah. Uh, their parents got sympathy cards. And I just think like, how fun would it be if you were literally told to be like, okay, you need to go to this landmark and then this landmark and then this landmark and just follow the instructions and film it all. Like no matter what kind of movie it is, whether it's a comedy or a horror movie, that's just like a fun project. So immersive. Yeah. And that would be so cool. That'd be so, so cool. And then to, to watch the movie after it's all been constructed and stuff, that is like, it's just the epitome of method directing and producing, and I live for it. I think this is, it is so cool. It's like groundbreaking filmmaking that like you don't even really realize it until you dig into it. And I'm surprised that these that these directors haven't gone on to to do more disruptive kind of things like this in the future. I, I, like I, this is This is like really the only thing that I know that they've, you know, like that I've seen that they've done. I don't know. It just, to me, it just feels like this is, this is like young, scrappy, innovative, groundbreaking filmmaking. And again, it's like, you know, for someone to say, oh no, it's really not, it's not that big of a deal. Like do research on it. Cause like (laughs) really look into what they did and what they planned out and the, the kind of like style of this thing. This is, I don't know. It's just very impressive. Like as a filmmaker myself, like, God, I wish I had this idea. You know what I mean? (laughs) I wish that like, I, uh, I mean, this movie came out when I was seven, so I wouldn't have had it before then. But, um, I don't know. It's it's the kind of idea that I'm sure every filmmaker wishes they had thought of. Also, the teeth that were provided for the scene with the bundle of sticks that Heather has to unwrap, they were provided by the director's dentist. So they were actual real teeth, and the hair was Josh's actual hair. Uh, And if they wanted to break character ever while they were in the woods, the code word was taco. Uh, And after the release of the movie, the town of Burkittsville, Maryland which as of 2017 had a population of 159 people. <laughs> it became this like huge tourist attraction yeah. and uh, a movie buff site, I guess. And the mayor claims to have woken up with a crazy fan standing in their living room at one point, which is crazy That's, to me. Yeah, scary. I want them to make a, a documentary about like the influence of that the movie had on that town. Yeah. You know what I but mean? Like, like no one would believe – no one would believe it's real. No, I know, but like I don't, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to go be be scary. I want to like, I want like a realistic documentary just about the effects, you know, on yeah. that that very very tiny town, and uh, it's in Maryland. Uh, yeah. I want to go there. We need <laughs> I would to do it. I think it'd be cool to just at least even just drive through. But speaking of documentaries, no, I want to like go into the woods. Oh, okay. Well, you'll be doing that by yourself. <laughs> I want to go with you. Let's make a movie. Speaking of documentaries, though, I didn't realize this, but I don't know if this came out right before or right after the movie, but there is a short film documentary called The Curse of the Blair Witch. Yeah. 
which was a full documentary. It was, it was faked, of course, but it was uh, like it came off very real. Like it looked very real. Uh, it was about the Blair Witch Project, and it had full photos of the actors, even like their their childhood photos. It had news footage saying like, "Oh, three missing teens are still." They're being looked for in the hills and woods of Burkittsville, Maryland. Uh, and they show like the tapes and the reels that were discovered. They talk about um, the the teams that discovered the tapes and the house. And it goes through this whole thing. It's on YouTube. I'll link it in the description. It's only 45 minutes. I think the link that I had, only one of the, of the, the earphones was working. Like only one side was working. But it's still a really interesting watch. Um, it, it, it really makes this whole story out to be something that was very, it felt very real. Oh yeah. And like just the marketing behind this, which I'm sure, I'm sorry if I steamrolled over a point that you were going to make, but, uh, it's, it's real. like talk about marketing a film and, and, and really immersing. It's very cool. Like this kind of like additional, um, like uh, material built around to kind of like expand the mythology of the film or of, you know, of any film. I'm always for that kind of stuff. I always think that's like um, very, like it's fascinating to me. And I also like admire that people go in and people care that much to want to expand the mythology and want to continue the lore and, and, and add to the story. I think that's, that's always like something I enjoy. Like even like with viral marketing campaigns, like I can't get out of my head. I think the first one that I actually ever really paid attention to was Cloverfield. Cloverfield, there was like a website and there were these little weird clips would come out. And um, I remember thinking viral marketing was something J.J. Abrams had invented. But like it's <laughs> good to know, you know, uh, that it ex- it's good to know that it existed way beforehand. But um, it, it, that to me just got me so hyped for the movie it it made me feel like I was immersed in the world of Cloverfield. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the world of Cloverfield, like before and after, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if we brought this up in our Cloverfield episode, but I know that they, even before 10 Cloverfield lane came out, there was a website about like the fictional company that Howard worked for and Howard's picture was even up on the site. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. it was, yeah. The, if you're interested at all, you should really look into that cause it's, it's really, really fascinating what they did with that universe until the Netflix movie came out and then just smashed all the pieces. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm like, I like the, I'm particularly thinking of just Cloverfield by itself. Like the first one before that even existed. I, and, and nobody really knew what the first Cloverfield was like, I know right, we yeah. talk about um, the original in that episode, but like it was just a complete mystery. Like we just got this weird kind of found footage thing, the Statue of Liberty's head and then th- the date. And we were like, yeah. what the fuck is this? But if you like researched it, it gave you all this kind of crypticness. And I just, I love that kind of stuff. And um, especially when a movie, like I feel like nowadays, or at least for me, and I'm sure for you as well, uh, this is the kind of stuff we're interested in. So like, there's no like movie that comes out in theaters that like, I'm like, Oh, where did that come from? Like, I know like movies (laughs) that I'm interested in. I know about years, months, you know what I mean? In advance. Like I know what the release schedule is. I know the movie's coming out for the rest of the year. A movie's not going to like sneak up on me, but like these particular movies, uh, to me feel like it probably just does harken back to like a, like a, a simpler time when we weren't as in, involved 
in the internet mm-hmm. and that I wasn't so involved, you know, like me particularly, uh, wasn't so, you know, engrossed. I watch m- people talk about movies on YouTube all the time. And, um, it's all your YouTube is, is movies. <laughs> yeah. He was telling me we were, he was looking through, like I, I was signed in, um, on YouTube. I'm going to tell this story. And, uh, he was like looking through my, you know, my subscriptions, like all the, the, um, the videos that had come up on my subscriptions list. And he's like, do you subscribe to anything other than movie people, like people talking about movies? And I'm like, the answer's no, not really. <laughs> I mean, not a movie related thing on that list. You got me into, um, I love Bon Appetit. Oh my God. Yes. And I, um, well, like General Marbles now too. Like you got mm-hmm. me into the, like he said that. And then we watched like, uh, 45 minutes of Jenna Marbles making like Sunday treats for her dogs. It's, it's so, a guilty pleasure. I yeah. love her so No, much. she's awesome. Like I, I awesome. can totally, I like that as well. Um, I can totally see why she's so popular. Uh, but yeah, most everything else is, is about, uh, you know, like upcoming movies or movie essays, you know, like video essays and things. I just love it. Um, we got way the fuck off track. I don't even <laughs> remember where, uh, you know what? Like, I, I think we have waited long enough. I want to talk about this damn theory. Yes, but let me uh, let me talk about because I think I think I know what theory you're about to bring up, but I want to bring up one before that that kind of led me to the second theory that you can talk about. Is that okay? okay? Cool. So there is this theory floating around. This was sort of the first one that I found. I think it was on Reddit, and I know that we had explained in I believe it was Take Two how I was suddenly confused about this Rustin Parr character. And how he was the one who was making he was he murdered children and made one stand in the corner so the the kid didn't have to watch the others being murdered. Yeah. Uh, and I researched a lot more about that, and it turns out it's this story which is brought up in the documentary. It has it has quote unquote real footage of this man confessing to murdering these children. Uh, he pretty much he claimed that he this old woman told him to do this. So he, I don't know if he was possessed or led or what i think we're supposed to believe that he was led by the blair witch yeah uh he was hanged for his for his um for his crimes he's he he, he died we we do know that josh was singled out the whole time he was the first to disturb that pile of rocks that suddenly appeared around his tent uh his things were ripped apart and he commented on the fact that all of his things were covered in this weird slime and i think we can assume that he was sort of marked and it could be possible there was some theories that this was the same spirit quote unquote that possessed rustin and is now possessing josh who eventually lured heather and mike into the house and had them both killed just like the children but this also means that Josh would have had to have removed his own teeth and bits of his tongue, which makes this theory like incredibly gruesome, in my opinion. So that's the first theory is that this whole uh, ghostly spirit that haunted Rustin Parr has now haunted Josh and he was doing the same thing. But uh, but go into your into your theory, because I, I want to talk about this as well. OK, you brought up Rustin Parr and it just reminded me of something that I read, but I never wrote down. And I like I just want to I know we'll get to this, but like I just want to um, say that I read that the filmmakers made the or like shot that last little bit um, of Mike standing in the corner and people didn't understand why. So they wrote the 
making the, the kid standing in the corner thing. They went back and put that at the beginning. Isn't that oh, cool? Wow, that is cool. Yeah, like it wasn't. It wasn't like oh, we're gonna write that here and then you know because obviously <laughs> it is all made up. So yeah, like they they like retroactively went and put that in the beginning <laughs> to make the ending make sense and for it to have like some sort of payoff. I'm kind of glad though, because I feel like it was vague enough to kind of be like to sound familiar without giving away the entire story. Yeah. But it's, it didn't leave us like completely baffled. And honestly, like, I think I've, I mean, I've definitely seen this movie before. Like, I don't remember like even to this, to this day, having just seen it, like I don't really like specifically remember everything each of those people said at the beginning. You know what I mean? Like that's, you're just kind of waiting, like, Obviously, that's not the meat of the story. Right, just kind of right. waiting for like 15 minutes in for it to just be these kids. You you have to pay attention to the beginning, and it all kind of like wraps up at the end. And it just make it, it's it's cool because it it makes the stuff in the beginning like worth re-listening to and worth yeah. paying attention to because of what happens at the end. And I think it was cool that like you you thought that kind of one would set up the other, but it was. In fact, vice versa. And I think that's great. It gives this movie a lot of, it gives it like a rewatchability factor, if that makes any sense. But I also, in one of the interviews that I read, when Mike was given his direction for that day, he actually like walkie talkie the director. The director wrote in his notes something like, go up. And when Heather meets you there, go back down. And he walkie-talkie the director and was like, I don't understand this. Because they had no idea that it was a house. They didn't even know that they were going to a house that day. It could have been a hill. It could have been a valley. It could have been anything. And he's like, I don't understand what this is. And the director was like, trust me, when you get there, you will know. Uh, which I thought was really, really interesting. They, like, they were completely blind going into this. Yeah. And I feel like you have to be in order to get that level of improvisation. And it was completely successful. It, that 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 particular point plays into this next theory. Yes, let's um, talk about it. Let's okay. talk about it. So basically, uh, film theory. It's this YouTube channel. They're called like the YouTube channel is called the Film Theorists, but they have these these videos called Film Theory, and they often uh, will bring up like really interesting, sometimes ridiculous, but very often plausible um, theories about these films. Or, you know, about films in general, you know, many different films. And um, this particular one is so crazy that I feel like it should, it deserves to be what actually happened. Basically, the idea is that Josh and Mike lured Heather into the woods to terrorize her for several days and then kill her. And, it's a snuff um, film. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny is is that um, actually that was something that Heather asked the directors uh, going into this. Like, are you guys actually making a snuff film? Is this, is this like a secret thing that but that oh doesn't really God. have anything to do with this? But um, <laughs> but yeah, like they the idea is that they lured her out there. You when you think about the fact that like there are def, there are often shots of. The guys being the ones walking in front, yes, leading. Yes. Yeah. Um, Even though she has the map, yeah, like for some like they're the ones who are leading this pack, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there's there's one part where uh, they're kind of arguing over who has the map, and Heather's like, "I know I gave it to you, Josh," mm-hmm. and Josh is like, "I don't have it." And then you see later 
uh, Mike say, like, I kicked it into the river. I threw it in the river or something yeah. like that. And it's like, how would Mike have gotten the map? Like, it was in her back pocket the whole time. And it, the only thing that's really plausible is that she did give it to Josh. And then somehow, I don't know if Josh dropped it or something like that, but Mike threw it into the water or kicked it into the water. Mm-hmm. But what they're theorizing is that when when it was given to Josh, Josh was like, oh, I don't have it. And he just gave it to Mike to get rid of it. Uh, Mike is obviously very antagonistic and makes her, he, you know, it's it could be construed as a form of like gaslighting. Like he makes her think that she's fucking crazy, that she could be losing it. You know what I mean? Even though what like at face value we're just supposed to think that they're all kind of losing it there are points in time where the the guys start being giddy and the, and heather's like i think you guys are having too much fun um in that that journal that you're talking about there are parts uh where it's like i don't understand why i don't know i don't understand how they're able to sleep at night like it's just sleep so, so well much night. yeah what'd you say I said sleep so well at night. I yeah yeah. yeah I saw it's this. Like, we'll we'll link this video. It's very very interesting. You should you should definitely watch it as well. And the final thing that I thought was really interesting about this was in your point that you had just made. Basically, Mike runs into a house, and he's like, "I'm going upstairs," and he runs upstairs like a house he's never been in. Right, I'm going upstairs, and he says, "You know, I like." He goes up there and then she goes up there and then he just turns right back around. Like suddenly he hears like if you hear something from upstairs and then somehow now suddenly you hear it from two floors beneath you. So now like he's upstairs. No, wait, now he's in the basement. So I'm, I'm going to run back downstairs and he runs all the way down to the – you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it just – Why does he need to announce it if yeah, – yeah. Exactly. But he also – why – why did he run upstairs? And the idea that they were giving, and it's so much more eloquent on this site and it has visual aid and all that stuff. <laughs> but like, why would, why would you go upstairs to get enough distance in between you and Heather so that you can go in the, go and be in the corner while Josh knocks Heather over the head mm-hmm. and, um, and hits her yep. and, and kills her, I guess. And it's just like, it's genius. I think that's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. It, it would explain how the fuck the footage got out in the first place because if all three of these mm-hmm. people died, that would have meant that someone had to have gone and found the footage. But it's like, you know, it seems like it was pretty far out in the wilderness. They just do a really, really good job of, of explaining it all. And you should definitely you should definitely check this video out. Absolutely. I and, But I just – I want this to be 100% true. <laughs> So I actually first heard this theory. I saw it written out as a as a Reddit thread, I guess. Someone had written down. They had like timestamps and everything that listed everything that Josh and Mike had said that was suspicious at all. So I have some points to expand on this. And I, I like to at least think that they were led by some kind of supernatural thing. I don't I really don't want this movie to be completely void of like ghosts or like something supernatural. I think, I think if that were the case, it would fall apart for me, but here are some points. I don't know. I just think it kind of loses its scare for me because then at that point there's, there's really nothing to be afraid of, but I don't know. I mean, do you believe in 
and evil witches that live in woods. I mean, no. like, I believe more into strangers taking a woman out there. Like to me, it's scarier when it's just humans being horrific because that's real. You know what I mean? Yes, maybe, but it's I, I guess being uh, being a murderer for the sake of being a murderer or being a murderer because you're crazy. Like I, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like having some, having just like a little bit of mystery or suspicion into their, their motives, I think makes it more interesting. Um, but to expand on some of the theory, uh, Heather has never met Mike. We, we know in the beginning that Mike is Josh's friend. She said, Oh, you must be Mike. Nice to meet you, Mike. Uh, Mike makes a joke, this like really cryptic joke about cutting their fingers and bleeding onto the slate. And he mentions bloodletting, which is a common Blair Witch practice, according to the mythology that was told in The Curse of the Blair Witch, the documentary that I talked about earlier. We know that Mike kicks the map into the river. We know that Mike is never actually seen killed. Uh, and while Heather is the only one leading, like you said, she's the only one leading the expedition and almost every shot of the movie, she's behind the two boys. Uh, and there were things in this thread like um, Josh was wearing like a claw necklace, which means he was a part of some demonic cult or something. And there were points and I was like, OK, this is a little bit of a stretch. But then I started to read the comments of the thread and someone mentions that, quote unquote, maybe the tapes weren't meant to be found. Like maybe these two were part of a demonic cult and they like in order to get her out there, they were like, yes, we'll film for you. But like they kept saying, turn the cameras off, turn the cameras off. Maybe they just didn't want all of this documented. Maybe they didn't want their their secret getting out. So they, you know, maybe they didn't want the tapes to be found. So in the documentary, The Curse of the Blair Witch, they bring up multiple times that the tapes were found by a class of college students on an anthropology dig. Like this, this class went out, found this house, and started digging it up and, and studying its, its foundations and stuff like that. And forensics and investigators, I, this is all, I know this is all fake, but this is according to the fake documentary. I'm just kind of looking into the, the mythology of all of this. Forensics Wait, this and is all fake? Shut up. <laughs> I hate you. Uh, I'm, I, I'm talking about it like it's serious, but I just think like I'm making connections in between all of these theories and this is what makes sense to me. But forensics and investigators went to the site and saw that the dirt and ash and foundation of the house had been undisturbed for centuries. And forensics came to the conclusion that the foundation had been built in colonial era and had not been disturbed since, which means that the bags and stuff that this class, this anthropology class found had to have mis materialized underground somehow. So like that, that too, and this all plays into the documentary that went hand in hand with this found footage movie. I like, I, I really, I firmly believe that there is some kind of magic or supernatural element. No, yeah, no, you're right. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, like <laughs> that's really, really fucking cool. No matter, no matter how you want to splice it, no matter how you want to, assume things actually went down. It is still like such a fascinating project to me. Totally agree. I totally agree. I, I just, this is, I really like, I really like this movie. I think this I has know. been really fun to talk about. I agree. I came home and I was like, I, I came home from work and I was like, God, I cannot wait to talk yeah. about this. The research that I did is awesome. And like, we just got done <laughs> filming my favorite movie of all time. And I think this is probably going to be our greatest episode. In my oh, okay. opinion, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. I just, just like a couple more things that I just wanted to bring up that I thought were actually really kind of cool. Uh, we talked about the visuals versus like all of the tension and scares being left up to what we hear and can imagine. Um, well, like the 
Blair Witch. I read this that the Blair Witch was actually supposed to be seen in this movie, like as the characters were running out of the tent and Heather saying saying like, "Oh my god, what the fuck is that? What the you know, or what the fuck is that?" The the cameraman was actually supposed to pan, and there was gonna be like a like a, a woman standing there in like a, a white gown or something in the distance, and um, but the cameraman forgot to pan. Well, here's the thing: he did pan because I I remember this scene, and I always. I always wish that it had been done better because she she is screaming, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? He turns, but everything is so dark and shaky that you can't see anything. Like there's yeah. nothing there. So um, well, I guess he didn't pan to the right place or go to the right place because there was actually someone standing there to be seen. Really? Um, yeah. But the scene, you know, when they didn't do it, uh, the scene was just left and it wasn't reshot. So – and it kind of, I don't know, like I kind of am glad that we didn't see it because we're going to sidetrack into a movie that absolutely is terrible. In 2016, oh god, there was a teaser trailer toting this new revelation in cinema, one of the scariest movies ever made, played to this really kind of eerie cover um, of I'll Be Watching You by The Police. And that's a really fucking creepy song anyway. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure what, I don't know if that was supposed to be romantic back then, but that was fucking weird. But regardless, they they played this song and it's like over these like sweeping, um, you know, like drone shots or, or helicopter shots. I don't know. I don't know how they got them. Um, of like the woods. And by the end of it, it kind of builds up and builds up tension and, ten, you know, tension grows and um, you see that there are these kids and they're being terrorized and the movie's called The Woods and it's going to premiere at San Diego Comic-Con in 2016. And I remember this because I had seen the trailer and I was like, oh, that kind of looks cool and they're, you know, everybody's saying it's like really going to be awesome and I love horror movies and I'm like, sweet, Right. And then the thing happened that made me be like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm too afraid to see this. <laughs> uh, at San Diego Comic Con, they aired the movie, but instead of it being called The Woods, it was actually a movie called Blair Witch, which was a 17 year later sequel to The Blair Witch Project. That movie that was supposed to be so spectacular and this rejuvenation of the genre is, um, really shitty and I only after I heard it was really shitty was I like okay I'll give that a shot and I'm surprised we hadn't brought this up I know when I talked to you about it right before we did this you were like I forgot I even saw this he brought Uh, it up yeah and he was like I thought you said you did see it and I looked at a trailer I'm like oh my god I have seen this yeah it must have been so bad that I've like blocked it out or completely forgot about it because I definitely have seen that movie to the point where I don't even remember like what happened or how I felt leaving the theater but um, I can imagine I was not a fan. All of this to say, I, I like I, this was a lot to make this one particular point. Um, at the end of that movie, you do see, I guess the what Blair we're Witch. supposed to believe is the Blair Witch, and it looks absolutely like Mama ridiculous. Like I was just <laughs> not impressed at all. And I I love Mama, but I hate Mama the character. I thought she she looks like crap. And so does the Blair Witch in this movie. And I was so glad that we didn't get some sort of weird – like I, I'd much rather just not see her and just her be this like force, this malevolent but but invisible force. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, So 
do watch this movie. Don't watch that movie. <laughs> and um, yeah. Oh, also, okay. Like last little, um, last little point that I'll make. Um, and I've told this story to you before, I think. And I think it's just like the most badass thing ever. And it, it's it just comes because again, I, I you know like to make movies. One of the video cameras used by the actors was bought at Circuit City, and <laughs> after filming was done, they What's took that? it back. Oh, okay, yeah. Circuit City was this old. <laughs> no, it, just, it was like a like a like an ancient Best shot. Buy. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was more like Best Buy. I remember, like, I when I like Radio or Radio Shack was like a little tiny thing in the mall, like a little tiny store in the mall that I remember. But like a, a Circuit City was like Best Buy. I think is what put the last nail in Circuit City's coffin. I could be wrong, yeah. but um, I'm not like no, that. you're right. You're, you're a right. retail um, historian, but any Radio Shack that I've been in has been like a hallway. I, I don't yeah. even think Radio Shack exists anymore. Is that still a thing? Um, if they are, they're very, very small, but I think circuit city is dead. Well, retail is, yeah, it's, it, it's confusing anyway. But, um, I just think that that's really cool. I've talked about this before, like the idea of making a movie like on a shoestring budget and being able to pull something like that off. And, you know, like just, you know, everybody's got a 15 day return policy at least, you know, <laughs> go use it and, and take it back. I don't, I, I just like I don't feel remotely bad for that. Like I worked in retail. I, I feel like people used to take back things that, you know, clearly they had used and abused. And if I take care of something and I, you know, use it once for what I need and I don't need it anymore. What? Like, am I a bad person? I don't think so. They also sold their 16 millimeter camera on eBay after which like, I really hope that they were like, Hey, uh, you know, that movie that is super popular, um, we shot it on this. Like I'm, I would have, I would have tried to have gotten a lot for that. Yeah. For that camera. Yeah. But anyway, I think that's everything that I have as well. I think this is a really great job. Um, Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez are the directors. And I think that they, and regardless of whether or not they went on to become, you know, iconic directors, they will always be super important they have made they have made a piece of art that will last oh yeah and will always i mean this movie it's not like it like i I talk about um annihilation and say i hope that it will be written about and i hope that it will be studied in the future this movie has been written about and it is studied Mm -hmm. so um and that's all you can really ask for when you're when you put your heart and soul into something like like you know a piece of art you just hope that it it lasts and means something to someone, if not now, 20 years in the future. And it certainly means a lot to us. Yeah. And we hope that it means a lot to you guys. We really appreciate you listening. And um, I don't if know. You, I've, throughout my research, I saw a lot of people who didn't like this movie that really, I, if that is you, if this is, if you're listening to this and you really didn't like the movie, please let us know why. I'm very curious yeah. to know why. And also us tell us how we, old you are. Yeah. Yeah. Let us <laughs> Tell us your age. Uh, but also let us know if we changed your mind at all, if if we shifted any opinions, because I, I just think this is such a marvelous, awesome thing. So um, I'm a little biased. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's all for me. That was so much fun. It was really enjoyable. But like, I really do want to go to Burgettsville. That's fine. I will go to Burgettsville with you, but I will stay on the road. <laughs> With my car. We just got to find the house. I just want to find that the house and um, like spend the night there. That's fine. 
Let's spend the night there. Yeah, okay. What? <laughs> it's not real. I mean, I guess. Hey, listeners. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I hope you had as much fun listening as we did recording. Uh, if you want to hear more of our episodes, you can visit Take3AMP.com. And you can also follow us on social media for news and updates at Take3AMP on all major social media sites. Or email us with questions or concerns at Take3AMP at gmail.com. And those are all the number three. We also have a Patreon if you want to support us at Patreon.com slash Take3AMP, where you can access all of our episodes at day early as well as episodes that are exclusive to our patreon supporters next week we will be releasing a quick take on the movie trick or treat that will be available only to our patreon supporters so you should definitely check that out of course there are always ways to support us that don't cost any money and those we absolutely appreciate as well you can share this podcast with your friends uh, or you could leave us a rating and review on itunes that really really helps us out Uh, it lets us know how we're doing and it helps us reach more listeners and if you let us know your favorite movie in your review we will absolutely bring it up in our next episode and you should also check out our favorite aunts over at we explain movies and i'm happy to announce we will be collaborating with them in november we will be swapping formats and i will have the awesome task of explaining the movie the lobster to my co-host nick we are definitely looking forward to this we love them and you should totally go support them as well until next week happy listening